It's Adam, your host of Film Wax Radio, and uh, this is episode number 753 on this Friday, uh, March 3rd, 2023. Thank God, March. Yes. There's something about it. I just, uh, we're on, I'm here with producer Maddie Rosenberg and Jen Hamoud, and uh, thrilled to be, I love coming in and meet, seeing you guys. It's like, for me, because we kind of represent the weekend starting, and it's a nice, as well as just the, you know. Nice to be around nice people. Well, it's nice oh, to see you. It's always good to see you. I hadn't thought about the fact that weekend is tomorrow. <laughs> this is a long day, Maddie. So, is it today the weekend? <laughs> Everybody's yeah. working for the weekend? <laughs> Could be. Uh, so, uh, first of all, I wanted to ask, I feel so badly because last week I, I was, I actually ended up playing, I play music, you know, and, you know so I was, I was asked to play at this place in Kaksaki, and uh, so I couldn't come to the... Uh, to the the fundraiser and i really felt bad because it, it was an opportunity to meet all the other hosts here at radio free Rhinecliff and how'd it go uh it was a smashing success from what we could tell we raised uh we surpassed our raising of money mm-hmm. and uh we had a lot of fun most importantly and we had delicious food oh. and delicious cocktails oh. matt is a craftsman for the cocktail. Really? We both cooked. Um, everyone participated. We, you know, I was a, a great server. So people didn't have to leave their conversations. And it was just, it was packed, packed, packed. And we're well, so, yeah. we so appreciate the generosity so that we can pay for our licensing fees and all those things now. And yeah. we don't have to. And grow a little bit here Absolutely. And there. I mean, I like it's, you know, cozy and, clo- you know, local, but. There's room for growth, you know. We, lots of growth coming. Technical. Well, I mean, really. well, growth in we content. Yeah. We're growing content well, and and a few other capabilities that will let us do a little more remote. And, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, just fun stuff. We're not going to grow right. dramatically. Right, right. And we won't go changing. We'll stay in the back room. Don't go changing. No try changing. And, to try and... F- Fool, fool me? Was that the lyric? Please the me. To, to please me. That's right. Thank you. Well, please. Uh, I, I, it's my, all the same. My, my experiences are quite different than Billy Joel's, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, we were talking also before we hit, we started recording that about fundraising in general. And it's an interesting thing. I've done one uh, for Filmwax some time ago, like five years ago. I did a Kickstarter. And I and I know the guys. So I get a lot of support from them. And... Uh, you know, one thing is you don't want your, like you're supposed to do a video, right? You've seen them on GoFundMe or uh, Kickstarter or it, any of the others, Indiegogo, and there's quite a few. And uh, what, you don't, you want to make a nice video that delivers the message and is all about like, support me, support the, the what I'm trying to accomplish. You don't really necessarily just weigh in on the, 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 the money, although of course that's the, you know the goal, but it's also, you don't want to make too slick a video either because it sends a message. I don't need money because obviously I we, spent a lot on this thing. Yeah. We took that to heart and made yeah. no video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't need to. Uh, well, anyway, good. I'm glad that that worked out. Um, so this is episode 753 
And this was a good episode. Uh, I have two segments on this. So what I'll do is I'll introduce the first one and then we'll come back briefly before the second segment. I'm trying to really do, my goal is to do one. Now, this is pulling back the curtain a little bit here, too, but I think it just kind of works well just to have one guest, you know, or one segment. Maybe it's a couple of people. Like in this first segment, for instance, there's a new film. It comes out of Australia. It's going into theaters here as of today. It's called Blueback, and it stars two big international Australian actors, um, meaning that they're, they've done a lot of American uh, cinema, and it is Eric Bana, who I think was the first Hulk. Hmm. Am I wrong? Does anybody know? And M- Mia. No, it's is it Mia? Yeah, Mia Wasikowska, hmm. who people will recognize if they when they see her. She's uh, they've both done a lot of work, and uh, this is kind of a uh, it's a, it's a narrative film, meaning it's fiction film, but it's 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 an environmental film at the end. So it was a lovely film, beautifully shot. It was very, uh, and, and I, I just enjoyed it thoroughly. And I, of course, these are two actors I admire. So I invited them onto the to show. And that's what's going to be the first segment here today. And then equally as exciting, and I'll come back to talk about R.J. Cutler's document, docu-series, mm-hmm. which has an, an unusual name. It's called Murph the Surf. And I'll get into more details about it later. But it's a docu-series on the MGM Plus streaming platform did you know there was an mgm i've lost count and i know i don't know do yeah. you get that do you have to pay extra for that you sh- well yeah it, they all by cost. itself it doesn't get bundled into anything else yes it does amazon prime oh well, so yeah. i think you little. can i think you all oh, no, you may even have, but you may have to pay through amazon prime to see that like in other words an extra fee do I, you think I, it's an extra fee you know if you want to go on and check for me but i, I you don't have to but the if so it is a, we we're living in an interesting moment in terms of the streaming platform issue i i you know where there's so many uh and like any content uh creator provider uh who has made a library uh like the size of MGM you know it's they you know look at it as um you know why wouldn't i do that why wouldn't we uh, do this and try to make because they have this huge library. And if they don't, the problem is if they don't allow other platforms to also use it, then it then and then we are in a an odd situation, a difficult situation where you can't have 20 different subscriptions. As of February 17th, they're excited to join forces with Amazon to offer stars together with MGM Plus to their millions of customers to Prime Video. Um mm-hmm. That's the answer to is <laughs> thank you in Amazon Prime. I'm All right. Well, thank you for looking that up. So, uh, Eric, yeah, these are two, but these are going as far as blueback, which is the name of a uh, fish. It's a uh, green. What was the name of this fish? I, I feel bad. I didn't look it up. Uh, five ninety nine a month. Five ninety nine a month for additional to. Oh, that's what MGM. Play. Well, some of these platforms there are pretty inexpensive. So if you watch Times two movies, thirty though. <laughs> good point. So if you watch like two or three films, though, you're kind of ahead. But I mean, what's your favorite, uh, while we're on the subject, what's your favorite streaming platform? Do you have a favorite? I don't know. I, I don't. I, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I pay for too many of them. Yeah. So I, uh, I regret all of them. <laughs> How many do you, would you guess you have? A half dozen. Yeah. Yeah. Jen, what do you... Um, yet I have a, a bunch, too. I actually have like... Grown I, kids, right? I do, but they're still so on everything. You, 
Right, but you don't like have Disney Plus. You don't need. I mean, it's I don't pay for it, but okay. you know somebody in the oh, somebody does. does. Oh, if we got count the numbers, I don't pay for that's a different set of numbers. Yeah. I it's like a... the content coming out of Apple. Me too. Yes, a lot. Yeah, me too. I just watched um, since we're on the subject. Uh, Eugene Levy has a uh, the Reluctant Traveler, which is a little one note for my, in terms of. Uh, uh, I think it's like, you know, this, he's, he's, he's himself mm-hmm. in this, it's Eugene Levy and he's traveling to different parts of the globe having kind of adventures or misadventures, but, uh, he's, you know, wants just to be home in the comfort of his yes. California house. And so that's the idea is that he's, you know, being pushed into things. Although his, the other part of it is, is once he's offered something to do, he will almost invariably always do it. So there is a sense of like he's he's on board and he's having an adventure, but you know he the the running joke is that he's this is totally out of character for him. He's so a that's yeah a bit of that a, a bit of that yeah it's a lot of close ups of him doing you know looking at the camera with the eyebrows mm-hmm. yeah exactly but you know it's worth checking out if you're a fan of his um, loot I just finished watching loot no what's that one Maya Rudolph oh yeah yeah right and Adam Scott oh good cast it's it's yeah. It's worth watching. All right. We'll what check. happens when you're a billionaire? Well, I, I can tell you from, uh, <laughs> there was a period in the 90s when I was a billionaire. And, awesome. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. Uh, you oh, off. no. I, I started watching the Myra. It didn't work for me. Oh. Well, I'm, you may have to stay with it. it the first episode yeah. is like a lot. Okay. All right. Uh, Agree are, to disagree. Let me just, I should Agree actually. Agree to disagree. <laughs> let me just read a, a, a drop that we're going to go right into that we're in a moment now. Uh, the, uh, directed by Robert Connolly, who I am not familiar with his work, Blueback stars Mia. I'm going to say Mia, though it could be Maya. I, I feel embarrassed. Wasikowska, who is in Alice in Wonderland. She, uh, I think Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, where she played Alice. Crimson Peak. As Abby, Rada uh, Mitchell, who's not on the show, as uh, Eric Bana, the dry and dirty John, as Maka. Um, and... Um, the sh- Blueback showcases the extraordinary beauty of the world's oceans and wildlife in an empowering coming-of-age story. The family-friendly film centers on Abby, a child who befriends a magnificent wild blue groper. I would avoid a groper, but that's just me. Wild diving. When Abby realizes that the fish is under threat, she takes inspiration from her activist mum, Dora, and takes on poachers to save her friend. Um, so... It sounds a bit like a Disney film. It's not. It's it's a little bit more mature than that. And then uh, we'll be back after this conversation with uh, Mia and Eric. We'll be back for part two and um, enjoy this conversation. I'm very excited about it. There's something I want you to say. You up for it? There's something I want you to say. You up for it? Yeah. McCollum Blueback. Gropers can live until their 70s. Old and wise. They live in the same place most of their life. They don't tend to leave. <laughs> the only way to make sure that he's safe is to keep him a secret. What's going on? entry to the bay is too shallow. We need to dredge the reef. These fish are meant to be protected. 
How can they do this, ma'am? Stealing from our future. You and your mum really think you can stop this, don't you? Those men, they wanted to kill him. What if he doesn't come back? What if I never see him again? Nice to meet you guys. You too. You too. Very nice to be a big fan of your, your work, especially in this film. It's wonderful. Uh, uh, I, I, did you, just to kick things off, I guess, did you guys, um, uh, was environmentalism uh, a uh, an important part of your growing up, your lives in Australia growing up? Or, or was it in, like an integral part of, of that? Or is this like kind of uh, more of a newer thing for you guys? Yeah, um, both of my parents are sort of in the arts and my, and very sort of environmental. So it was a part of my childhood for sure. And um, yeah, so, and I mean, my, a lot of my family lives on, on the South Coast. So the ocean specifically was, has been a huge part of my nieces and nephews um, sort of childhood. And I sort of wanted to make this film because it reminded me of them and and it was oh. hopefully inspiring to to other people to have the same care that that we you know we need for our environment. Yeah, I would say uh, probably less so with my upbringing, but you know definitely came to the fore when I had kids. So you know the last sort of twenty twenty five years definitely something you know a lot more aware of and more conscious of. But as as a, as a young kid growing up in the suburbs. Um, the thing I mostly <laughs> remember was recycling <laughs> aluminium cans. You know, so like funny. yeah, <laughs> right. That was the yeah. that was the beginning of it for me. Right. Uh, well, it makes sense. I mean, we become more, uh, I guess, worldly or political, politicized as we get older. We feel more connected to the world. And as a kid, you're in your kind of in your own little world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't all have mothers like Abby's mother does in this film, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for better, or for worse. And uh, so here's another question I actually Mia, for you. And that is, um, does it require, uh, how did I write it here? Oh, does it, yeah, require a different approach to when you're acting underwater? Because I was thinking mm-hmm. there's so much acting going on underwater here and you see it more and more in, in different films. You see it also like Avatar now. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if what that's like. Yeah, well, I think I learned the hard way that your face doesn't really correspond to your mental state the same way when you're underwater. <laughs> um, and so I was a little bit more like tentative and cautious about about these scenes. But... You know, you don't really have much of a choice. Like we have to goggles act on. It. You have and... to like act through the water. Is that what you meant? Like, well, yeah. Like I, I remember when we were filming in the pool. I mean, you know, some of the underwater scenes. I would just go down, and I mean, literally, all you feel is like the water going. <laughs> and I'd come up, and Rob would be like, "Great!" Be like, I don't know what I did, but <laughs> that's good. Well, you didn't drown. That's good. You didn't. Yeah. You know. Well, as long as he was happy. And also the 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 fish, right? Uh, the main the, the yeah. Western blue clover. Uh, did you guys have a nickname for it, like they did on Jaws or something? Uh, I actually can't remember. I only had one day with the fish. The fish was this amazing puppet. Um, it was a puppet, right? Yeah, so it was a real puppet, and they animatronic. Had a, yeah, people, um, you know, they would build this like um, sort of platform over the water that the guys that were um, maneuvering it would sort of walk across the pool 
um, and, you know, as it was sort of swimming and, I mean, its gills would flap out and it was just, yeah, I've never seen anything like it. It was, and I think that was just such a great call of Rob's to, to go with a, um, a puppet fish as opposed to CG fish because, I mean, it made a difference to us as actors and I think that you can sort of tell, like, you know, in the film somehow, you, it just sits in the picture in a way that um, visual effects sort of doesn't sometimes. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, 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 I'll take your word for it. I haven't acted again opposite either, to be honest <laughs> with you. But um... I hope you get the chance. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. yeah. Eric, so, uh, and you, your scenes are largely on deck of a, of a boat. So what's been your experience with that since you already explained you grew up in the suburbs? So probably, yeah, it was, I'm it was an, Yeah, we were in an amazing part of the world. We filmed this in a place called Bremer Bay, which is quite a remote part of Western yeah. Australia. Um, really rugged and really uh, beautiful and, and really difficult for, for the crew and our director making a film on, on the water in a vast majority of the film as you saw is either on the water or underneath it so uh it was a lot of it was a lot of fun and just a you know it's always a such a privilege i'm sure me is the same like you go you, you film in so many different locations as an actor and you go to so many different places and a lot of times you're in places that you wouldn't otherwise have gotten to for for whatever reason and so to to spend some time in that part of the world and and it be be your job uh, was just you know absolutely incredible, and it was just a great great choice by Rob and obviously Tim Winton who who wrote the wrote the source from that from that part of the world and and has an intimate knowledge and Rob wanted to honour that so yeah it was great great to be there. Yeah. And, so and and is it what is it your um, I guess how 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 much do you try to get gigs in Australia? Is that something as for just for personal reasons, or is that like a, a, a really a, a nice thing when that occurs because you get to see people maybe that you wouldn't otherwise? We were just <laughs> talking about that. How when you're in America, or at least when when I'm in America, being really envious of people going home to their own bed after filming. So oh yeah, it's such a novelty. I actually still haven't had that experience. I always miss the Sydney jobs. Um, but even being in Australia is great, like when we were in Western Australia, which may as right. well be another country. Yeah, it does seem like a novelty. Away, just in terms of, you know, travelling there. Yeah, it uh, definitely seems like a novelty. We were just talking earlier about how, you know, there's actors that we know who just spent their whole lives getting out of bed and going to a studio and working and going home. And it just, there is a part of it that does feel special. I've got to say, whilst there's a homesickness side when you travel, there is something... I do love being on location. I, I don't even know if I'd like to mix the two, you know. Um, I like I like not having any distractions. It's it's always it's fun being on location when everyone else is on location, and this is definitely the case, like the whole crew, uh, you know, in this little town. And so, so they're, they're, it always feels a bit of an adventure. But you do have you, you have children? I do, yeah. I have two adult children, yeah, 20 oh, and adults. 23. Okay. Yeah. All right, so they don't care if you're home. Okay. That, they, they, they said, I didn't even know you'd left. How long? How long were you away for? <laughs> right. Exactly. And exactly. Um, well, uh, one other thing I was thinking about with a film like this, because I see a lot of documentaries, and you know, um, and uh, I love, of course, 
but there's a lot of, of obviously environmental documentaries. And I think one pitfall for a lot of films and not just documentaries that are touched on is, you know, they're polemical and there's a message that they're going to, they're, they're making. And there's no doubt you're going to walk out knowing that message because, you know, they're going to probably try to get you to sign up and do something. Cause you know, so it's, whereas I think this one, which is called uh blueback, which is by the way, the, the name of this uh, Western uh, Blue Groper uh, that Abby's character is a young younger girl in flashback names the fish. Uh, I, I'm going to play the trailer at the beginning so, so people will know what the film. But I just appreciated that. And maybe you could speak a little bit about it. That I appreciated that this was not such a film. It was really a very personal story as well with both of your characters. Uh, you know, there's it's all about relationships. It wasn't just purely about. Um, you know, uh, the bad guys and, and, and the, you know, but this was a personal story about one's relationship to the environment. Yeah. To Maybe. the environment and, and also mothers and daughters and, and mothers and, and, daughters. and um, right. you know, it's kind of impossible to, to separate any of those things, you know, the influence from um, Abby's mother on her and, and the influence of, of Dora on the environment and on that particular bay um yeah it's all sort of interwoven in this story and it just feels very very natural I, I i think because of the nature of 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 their lifestyle in 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 the film in the story it's it's not like a uh you know we're not we're not transporting people from the city into this into this environment they're just such a part you know the ocean is such a part of dora's world and and the way her her mother introduces her to the to the ocean and 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 to what lies underneath the surface is just really beautiful and natural. It made me really envious actually when I watched mm. the film. I was like, oh, what a great childhood! This just seems so incredible. Mm. And I think Rob's done a great job. And so you feel so immersed in it. You can't not be moved by the nature. And then by by virtue of that, you can't not want to try and help it. So to mm-hmm. get back to what you were saying, I think I think the story does a really a really clever job of just making you feel like you are a part of it and you are kind of responsible for it. And it is, it is a beautiful thing to be, to be amongst. And it's those emotional connections that sort of compel you to, to act on, on things. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Right. Um, Well, and you both do a lovely job and it's a very moving story. It's called blue back. It's opens in theaters on March third, and it uh, it stars among its cast Eric Bana and Mia Wasikowska. So I really do uh, love. I hope I have another opportunity to uh, talk to you guys uh, together, though. Thanks. <laughs> we'll <have> to, <laughs> it's not easy to pulling this them. off. This is, <laughs> well, you have to do more films together. Uh, Thank but, you. Or, I guess I'll do it separate as well. But it was very nice meeting you both, and I wish you luck with the film. Nice to meet you too. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Abby Jackson, and I'm 15 years old. I've been studying this space since I was eight. The whole reef will be gone. We'll see about that. The diversity of this marine life, it's a gift to us all.
He'll always be safe with me. Okay, well, wasn't that fantastic? That's amazing. <laughs> <I'm> pretty... <laughs> now, this one is another one I bring on over the years. Uh, I've brought on all of the documentary filmmakers. I almost, almost every single documentary filmmaker I've ever wanted to talk to. Sometimes they've come on, come on like Barbara Koppel multiple times, Oscar winner, Barbara Koppel. I mean, you know, and then I, before they passed away, I had on Al Mazels, I had on D.A. Pennebaker, I had on some incredible, you know, documentary filmmakers from over the years. And, uh, uh, and so, but there's one guy, R.J. Cutler, who I wanted on for a long time, and he is responsible either as a producer or a director for so many great documentaries. Most recently for, I haven't seen this one, so I'm going to correct it. It's about Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. Hmm. I don't know if anybody saw that. But do you remember the Belushi documentary that came out a couple of uh, years ago? Belushi? Oh, yes. I recommend it if you haven't seen it. It's really good. He directed that. Um, I'm just skipping around here. Uh, Listen to me, Mar Marlon. He produced that. That was a great doc. If you haven't seen it, I really, really recommend you see it. Uh, the World According to Dick Cheney was great. Uh, he, uh, let's see what else, he directed, uh, uh, there's the uh, uh, the War Room. He produced that. He didn't mm. direct that. That's a classic. That's though. a classic. That, yeah. That's really one of my favorite documentaries of all time. And he did one on Oliver North, The Perfect Candidate. He directed, that was his first documentary, I believe. But a bunch of others. I mean, the guy is amazing. He's like, a, now he's just like a, you know, just one of these people that has a multiple projects going on and he's got a team, you know, he's big time, but he's a sweetheart. And we, he grew up in Long Island and I grew up in Queens and, we, and he was wearing a Mets hat, you know, you can, uh, so we started off talking about the Mets and then we start, you know, get into the conversation about growing up, uh, you know, like on the, around the New York city area and all that. And we kind of hit it off. And the, the docuseries called Murph the Surf, which is about this guy who was a uh, surfing champion in California back in the 50s or 60s. And then he became a jewel, a jewel thief huh. and then he, and then a potential murderer and then a born again. Wow. Yeah. So oh. this is really, so it's a, a four part docuseries and it's on the MGM plus streaming service, which we were talking about in the first uh, intro. And then you can see it through Amazon though as well. Excellent. So it's called Murph the Surf because his name is Murphy and he was a surfer. See how that, and then so he got that nickname and he was actually quite a celebrity back in the day. So that's what this is document, documentary is about. But it's um, the conversation that I had with uh, R.J. Cutler, which was for me just a great opportunity. So I'm, I'm excited to talk. So let's go to that right now. The public love Murph the Surf. I'm in the Surfing Hall of Fame. I went undefeated. Jack's story is all-American guy. Becomes the most infamous jewel thief in American history. It was like an Ocean's Eleven story. How brazen they were. I'm in the front page of the newspapers. I'm in television. I'm a big deal. When you hear the name Jack Murphy, what words come to mind? Right away. And that's when everything started changing. He told me he didn't kill that girl. Then he got born again. Murph the Surf found religion. Your whole life is one of repentance. A man's a comment and he's a liar. How could you possibly get redeemed from that? You don't find God, he finds you.
All right. Hi, RJ. How are you? Good. How you doing? Good. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Oh well, you know, and uh, pleasure. And and um, I can only say, uh, been wanting to meet you and have you on this podcast that I've been doing forever. <laughs> forever <laughs> oh thank you Thanks. yeah big fan of your work thank you. thank you yeah big fan of your past work uh, both directing producing some of my favorite docs in the mm-hmm. last bunch of years and uh it's really it's great to bring you on now Thanks. you're wearing a Mets cap I am most importantly so what does that indicate other than the fact that you don't dislike the Mets Oh, uh, I, I'm it, it's it's baseball season finally we've endured the uh the the Six months of uh, between, well, is it six months really? It's not that. It hasn't been this long. November, December, January. We've endured the three and a half months since the uh, World Series, and I'm excited to welcome uh, baseball back. Uh-huh. And I am a Mets fan. Uh, I the, the uh, this is one of my one of my passions. So they just came out with these awesome vintage corduroy. Hats, oh, and yeah. I'm delighted oh. to be uh, modeling it for your audience. I am too, and I'm. I can. I might have to grab get one myself. Uh, yeah, they can you, go to. Uh, it's a. It's a fifty nine fifty. They can new era. They can. Uh, they're fitted. Uh, not inexpensive. Yeah. So if you're saving your shekels for uh, for a rainy day, maybe 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 it's you won't want it, yeah. but you never know. Yeah. Maybe a, a subscription. It's a good, it's a good present for all your Mets loving uh, baseball fans. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, um, I, I, where did you, where did you, did you, when did your uh, affection for the Mets start? Because I, I I'm just kind of curious when I see somebody who's a Mets fan. Yeah, I go, I go back. I, I, uh, I was raised in a town about uh, twenty minutes away from Flushing. Uh, where the Mets play. Uh, when I was a little kid, you could t- take it still. You could take the Long Island Railroad from the town I grew up in uh, to in, uh, yeah, to Willits Point. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I'm from Great Neck, and you could take Great the Neck. you could take the train from from Great Neck to Willits Point and uh, in uh, in and Flushing Meadow. And and uh, when we were, I don't know, when I was in sixth grade, they started letting us go on our on our own but before that i had the experience of rooting the mets on to the world series victory in 1969 that was my i I kind of came of age as a baseball fan in 1968 that was the first year i started paying attention my grandfather taught me how to read the uh the box scores and the standings okay and uh and i i've i never i never let it go in my family we you didn't root for the yankees you were my we were Brooklynites, so you rooted for the Dodgers, and uh, and then of course, uh, you know, before I was born, the Dodgers left town, and when the Mets came around a, a couple years after I was born, uh, we started going. They, you know, they started going to Mets games, and I, as I say, around when I was eight years old, they started taking me to Mets games, and uh, we were there in in 1969 when the Mets clinched uh, the. The, the division pennant and ran out on the field and tore oh, up yeah. the grass. My dad let me plant plant, plant the grass in our backyard. There it was, so there you the go. The Mets win the pennant. The Mets win the pennant. There you go. There you go. Uh, I, I uh, just, I, I think we're roughly the same age, maybe more or less. And uh, I grew up just minutes from Shea Stadium. 
And uh, that's why I ask. And I, I think we're kind of grew up in the same with the, the same, you know, wonderful players, you know, at the time. I mean, you know, sure. they were heroes. So I just just I grew up on the mean streets of Forest Hills. And uh, oh, there you uh, go. But I well, we used dad. to go out there, too. We'd go out for the tournament. I saw I saw oh, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Connors the year that Jimmy Connors and Chrissy Everett were engaged uh i think they were both in the finals and we and there was a rain delay so they played on the same day uh-huh. uh you know there was a there was it was it was supposed to be saturday and sunday but it rained all weekend uh-huh. uh and uh and both the men's and the women's finals were on monday and our 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 folks let my sister and me miss the miss school that monday to go into forest hills and the we got to see both Chrissy yeah. and Jimmy, whatever year that was. It was probably early 70s, mid 70s. I remember yeah. you showing up and seeing you down the block. <laughs> but I, I will say the last thing I will say in on the subject of nostalgia and ge- geography is just that every other Saturday for years, my dad drove me to Great Neck for guitar lessons. Oh, nice. So, so you know, you ready for this one though? I got one for you. Oh, we 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 Damn studied pi- we studied piano, and uh, in Great Neck, and and our piano teacher would come to our house. Through she was in our house twice a week. My brother and sister and I, and uh, and 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 her name was Mrs. Cohn, and her son's was little Stevie Cohn. Little Stevie Cohn is now the owner of the New York Mets. So. Uh, his 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 mom was our piano teacher so there you go full circle i was trying to top that but i think you just won the that <laughs> you won the round we'll have that uh a mana radar range mail to ship to you thank you very much yeah. thank you uh, I'm tip of the iceberg well i'm holding i'm holding back <laughs> uh this is um I mean, you know, this docuseries you directed and produced uh, called Murph the Surf is certainly yeah. a, a, a nostalgia piece, one could say, one could argue, for, by and large. Although, although, you know, if ever there was a Trumpian figure to tell yes, a nostalgic right. story yeah. about, yeah. it's Murph the Surf. Yeah, well, exactly. Because well, you want to have... buy a pillow? <laughs> yeah, right. That exactly. Should the, that should be the name of the series. Um. <laughs> Murph is is um you know he's a uh, I guess at the time like a Robin Hood kind of dashing uh hero even though he's an anti-hero he's um a jewel thief which I think back then you know um had um and he was very handsome charismatic and sure. you know movie star qualities so I said yes exactly you know uh until things got a little darker um I guess I, I mean, was until he more. until he until he gutted two young women and wrapped them in barbed wire and tied them to cinder blocks and threw them in the water and got sure, if you want to, multiple lives in prison. Yes, sure, if you want yes. to, you want to pick. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. It got dark. It got it dark. Does get dark. Yeah. So, um, you know, what was the was this since you brought up the the kind of the comparison to. Uh, um, uh, we can see one thing, which is how Americans, it just it wasn't as of the last five, six years where Americans are, you know, all caught up in charismatic figures. It goes way back, of course, way before that. And here's a great prime example of such a, such yeah, a, not just charismatic figures, but, yeah, 
Yeah, it's you're right. It's it's very much a, 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 a seems to be central to our identity as Americans, not only to be uh, uh, compelled by charismatic criminals, but also <laughs> to be compelled by uh, a snake oil salesmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and a, a, we we uh, we don't mind really that someone's lying to us. Uh, sometimes we like it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we want to we because I, maybe because we're 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 hoping that 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 one drop of snake oil will cure all that ails us, uh, or or maybe just because we like the way it sounds. And uh, but it is it is part of our very nature, you know. I, I'm I'm we we uh, how many people said about Donald Trump to, to, when when. You'd see those stories. What what is it about Donald Trump that compels his followers? And and the and the reporter would say, "Does it, do you do you don't you know that he's lying? There's no infrastructure week coming. The the debt is you know increased tenfold. The none of what he's saying is true. They don't care. I don't care. I like that he's telling you the truth. That because that upsets you." It doesn't upset me, or I like that he's not telling the truth. There seems to be something about the charismatic snake oil salesman and the shamelessness of it that is uh, that is compelling to us. And and Murph was much more, so much more than that, because he was also, as you know, a man of God. And we have a lot of those figures in our culture and society who 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 draw our attention and sometimes turn out not to be what they say they are. What do you know? Yeah. Well, Murph could have been in that regard, I guess, you know, Murph could have been uh, like a cult leader. He could have chosen to uh, start a cult. Um, I mean, he had the sort of the, the personality for that. Yeah, but yeah, well, um, I mean, just I, 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 yes, and and now we get into all sorts of complexities, and and they become very rich. He was very concerned with the nature of his narrative and how it was presented to the world, and um, and as you know, we explore that at great length in the series. Yeah, well, uh, that's what this is. Your is this your first docu series as opposed to your eighty-five minute. Document. Oh, document. my friend, I I made a docu series in in 1999 called American High. We won the first Emmy for uh, for for nonfiction uh, television series. And we spent a year in uh, in in a high school in uh, outside of Chicago. We gave kids cameras back in the day where there were no smartphones. They filmed. We filmed. We filmed a whole year of a high school, uh, the senior year of high school for a dozen kids. And, um, and we've done many series, uh, since then. Um, but, um, but I guess you might say this is the first true crime series that, uh, that I've directed and the first time we've explored true crime. And, and, and I, I was particularly fascinated by the fact that Murph is, um, is 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 probably the first true crime television superstar in American history. Uh, you know, we really we 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 had just gotten over, uh, not gotten over. We had just gotten through the assassination of J- JFK at the end of 1963, and you know, you could say the television kind of came of age in that moment. Americans used the television to 
kind of mourn together and experience that together. And then they, the very next thing that caught their attention was Murph the Surf and his jewel, jewel thievery. And, uh, and, and American, by, by February of 64, Americans were gathering around their TV not to mourn JFK, but to follow the exploits. Did they catch him? Did he confess? Did they, did they find the jewels? And this went on for months. Yes. And that was the story of Murph the Sir. Uh, who it was an was a guy named Jack Roland Murphy. Grew up in, uh, well, his formative years, I guess you could say, Southern California. Uh, yeah. Correct me, Correct me because uh, I, I may have gotten a little of the timeline off. So he, he was a world-class surfer. Yes. Right. Um, that is, that's correct. He was a surfing champion, and he uh, and 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 one of one of the the early ones. He found his way. He went to Pittsburgh on a tennis scholarship. It was the very first person to receive a tennis scholarship to the University of Pittsburgh. And he, uh, but but after a few months in in at, at at the University of Pittsburgh, he he decided the college was not for him. He wanted a more adventurous life. And he wanted to go to the, the the magical place he had experienced in the movies called uh, Miami, and off to Miami he went, and uh, and he he was he was uh, 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 particularly adept at water sports. Um, he could he could high dive, he could entertain, and he did. And he became a cabana boy. He was a he was extremely handsome. He he loved the company of women, and they uh-huh. loved the company of of him, and uh, and he made his way kind of as a uh, as a, as a handsome uh, party boy, uh, w- willing to willing to apply uh, suntan oil uh, for tips and um, and and other things, and he also got caught up with a group of. Uh, of guys who uh, had a, a one toe on each side of the law, some of whom had both feet on the uh, on the other side of the law, and and eventually that led to him uh, starting to get involved in jewel thievery, which was rampant in those days, and that led yeah. to him him going up to New York to to uh, to rob the large uh, uh, the Star of India at the uh, Museum of Natural History. Uh, a, a diamond the size of your fist and you, that you got to wear sunglasses to look at it so bright. And, uh, and he, and he and his friend uh, uh, broke into the museum of natural history and, and got away with that crime. And that's what made him famous and made him Murph the surf, the, uh, the, right. uh, so the subject right. of America's uh, a collective fascination. Yeah. So a couple of things going on. One is clearly, even though maybe there was no expression at the time uh, called, uh, known as being a uh, an adrenaline junkie, clearly this was something for him. You know, he uh, he kept getting, I think, more addicted to that kind of lifestyle. The fact, you know, and from his surfing and all this, maybe. And then also, this is also at a time when you know surveillance wasn't quite so ubiquitous, right? So you could be a jewel thief and you could get away with it. Whereas now. I mean, trying to be steal anything is is a real headache. I can tell you. <laughs> you know? have, have you tried? <laughs> uh, I well, I'll to... tell you this seriously. Yeah. I was just at the Museum of Natural History uh, over the holidays, and uh, we, we uh-huh. brought our kids there. And uh, you can you can't steal the jewel, the Star of India from uh, from the Museum of Natural History today. 
no, no way, no how. Because but it's Murph, been stolen. Well, no, no, it was. Re- it's it's it's, it's been restored. It's been restored. Murph okay. Murph spent his. It was was in prison for its the theft, and it was restored, but uh, and returned, but um, but uh, you know that place is a fortress. And in those days, it wasn't. Uh, we 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 didn't expect people to steal things like the like the Star of India. Yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, that's again. Let's mention again. The name of the series is called Murph the Surf, and it is cur- currently streaming on the MGM Plus streaming platform. Yes, so and you can access that it. in all sorts of ways, but among them is uh, through Amazon Prime. Oh, very good. Thank you. Okay, Amazon Prime as well. Yeah. Is that- Okay, and I want to also mention that it is a um, a production of um, not only yourself, right, and your company, but of Imagine Documentaries, which is a pretty big deal. Yes, well, our good friends at Imagine brought the project to me and to okay. my com- my company, uh, This Machine. Uh, 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 Justin Wilkes and Sarah Bernstein uh, uh, at at Imagine. And of course, Brian Grazer and Ron Howard uh, uh, all brought the project our way, and I was immediately compelled by it. And uh, it's been a great partnership. They maybe saw some of your work, past work, is my guess. Uh, well, you'd have to ask them, but certainly, I think from, <laughs> we've been trying for many years to to find a project to work on together. That that would include uh, Billie Eilish, "The World's a Little Blurry," which was hugely successful. Belushi, which I loved. Thank you. What a great, what a great documentary and um, story around, around the guy really did justice to him and his story. Um, And, um, you know, again, a lot of my favorites going all the way back to the war room, which you've produced uh, Oliver North documentary, right? The perfect candidate. That was your first documentary, I think. That was the first Speaker? film that I I directed. David Van directed. Taylor and I directed that Not together. And... Yeah, good start, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, really, your track record is pretty impressive. Thank you. And I would love one day to, you know, my next question was going to kind of be, do you see a through line? Because I know some of your, obviously, your your projects have been for hire in the sense that, not that you don't choose which ones you're going to do for hire, but that, you know, maybe they come to you, the opportunity, as opposed to your creating the opportunity and deciding, oh, I want to, this has been something I want to pursue. But it may be of those, the latter category, I'm kind of curious, do you see a streamline in your work or a fascinating recurring themes that really seem to have, you know, taken taken hold of your creative, uh, you know, uh, process, you know? Well, it's a, it's, it's a great, it's a great question. Uh, you know, look, you never know where an idea is going to come from. Some of them come, you, you know, sometimes these are, things I, I, I've always wanted to do a, do a, a baseball project and, you know, I haven't been able to find my way to it. And somebody called the other day with a, with a great baseball project and I got very excited. So uh, there's always uh there's any path is a good path. This is a perfect example. I love this series so much. I'm so proud of Murph the Serp and the work that we've done on it. And I don't believe I ever would have had the idea myself, but because the good people at Imagine Documentaries uh, uh, got the rights to Murph's life and 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 reached out to me, I was exposed to it. So so where the idea comes from isn't as as important as as what it is that 
kind of draws me to saying yes to it. And 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 there has to be something. There has to be a spark that is going to um, that is going to drive me through the what can be, you know, a multi-year process. And that that uh, you know, we we tend to be proud of the results. And 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 I, I you know, I've I've loved all the the the. I think all of the films that I've made, and I'm very proud of them. But but it's a it's an intense experience. So you know, for instance, with Billie Eilish, it, it was it was it was meeting her, sitting with her at, at the time she was uh, uh, 17 years old, 16 years old when I met her, and and I was invited to sit with her and her brother Phineas and her folks in the backyard of their house, and we. We spent about an hour just talking and talking about film and talking about what this project might be like and and talking about life. And and we clicked in a way that made me think this is somebody whose story I want to tell, somebody who's who who will in the in the coming years not only be um, coming of age as a as an artist, but also as a young woman. And what an incredible opportunity to tell the story of both of those things. Um, and and so that drew me. But, you know, similarly, when I met Anna Wintour for the first time, there was we were talking and she said something about her father that made me think, oh, there's a fascinating uh Actor, <laughs> something about her that 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 is leading her to talk to me about her dad. There, there's a woman who who's ready to tell her story in a way that I, I'm compelled by. And I'm also drawn to different worlds. What a what an incredible right way to spend your career. You know, you get to float into these worlds. You get to you get to spend a year with it in Anna Wintour's world, and then you get to walk away after the year. Yeah. You know, you get yeah. to spend a year with with in in Billie Eilish's world. What a gift! What a treat! How what an honor, really! Um, I'm making a film now about Elton John. I'm making a film as well about Martha Stewart. These two extraordinary people who live such rich lives, whose lives stand for so much, who have such complex, emotional, dramatic life stories with such so much work that has impacted the world in such fascinating ways. What a what an honor, you know. So um, it's always something different. There are themes, I think, probably that I'm drawn to again and again. Uh, I'm, I'm of course very interested in, I think, in greatness and 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 what the nature of that is. What what a genius, if you will. Um, I'm 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 certainly um, drawn. To people at a crossroads in their lives, uh, and and uh, and and what that the nature of that is in the human experience. I'm very interested in the American character. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> well, if you're interested in greatness, you know, look at your catalog of, of films because you're you're a great documentary filmmaker and storyteller. Let's not even just pigeonhole you we'll just say storyteller look forward to seeing more and one day i'd love to do a more maybe you know uh expansive conversation about about the work and about the different films because i i you as you're just speaking and about you this immersive experience as a storyteller that you have over and over and the diversity of that 
that sounds like a great conversation. And since you have so much free time anyway, mm-hmm. anyway, no. So maybe I'll see you at Shea, or well, at, at Met- City Field. City Field, rather. Uh, um, and this, you know, be great to take. I'd love to get, get back there, even though I live in the Hudson Valley, but. Well, we love the Hudson Valley very much. So we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you in one of those two places. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And best of luck with uh, Murph the Surf on Amazon Prime and MGM Plus right now. go You can go. Yes, yeah, so really, it's on MGM Plus, but you can access MGM Plus through, through like Amazon. As a, right. As the kind of gateway platform for exactly. For exactly. Well, and but, we, yes. but MGM Plus. And MGM Plus is, a, is, a, is an awesome outlet with uh, if you're a Bond fan, but so much more great music right. documentaries. Lots, right. of, lots of amazing stuff there. Thank you so much, RJ. Thank you so much. We'll see you again. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, This is uh, next week. We're going to be back at... uh, the Radio Free Rhinecliffe Studios and uh, special live sh- uh, you're going to do a show about yeah, the yeah. Oscars with uh, yeah. film professor Dana um, Pollen. Pollen, thank yeah, you. You're welcome. And here in the back of the Epicurean. Yes, here in the uh, cubby hole. Uh, I got to work on what the nickname for this room. But uh, <laughs> it works. Uh, I'll be here with Dana. I'm excited. He's also he's an NYU film teach professor, but he's also written a s- many books on film and media in general. And I'm very excited to uh, talk to him about the Oscars and more. So we'll we'll be back in a week with that on episode 754. Excited. Very. Thank you, guys. <laughs>